As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, so our next speaker, really excited. Oh, Patrick Andrews, yay, okay. Um, now his story is, you know, here again, we have, you know, all these degrees, physics, biology, all right. But he, his is a little bit different. He did have his life in metaphysics. He, you know, 20 years of it. So he was, it was in there all along. It wasn't all of a sudden this shift over. So it was in there going and going and going. But now it's, it's all he does. So it was kind of in the background. I mean, it was alongside and everything. So it's really cool. But what I love is he's like, you know what? I think we need an owner's manual. <laughs> You know, we just don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> so owner's man for the mind. But before he did that, he works, he works very closely with his wife and all of this. And they had a, you know, metaphysical center. And they've co-authored a book, uh, Naked in Public, Dream Symbols Revealed. And, and then now he has done this book here, Owner's Manual for the Mind. So here we go. I know. Isn't it great? So here we go. Patrick Andrews. Yeah. All right, so the beginning of this book started with a very simple idea, is, you know, what if we had an owner's manual when we were born? So <laughs> wouldn't that have solved a lot of problems? I mean, if you think about it, what do we use owner's manuals for? Well, usually we just store them, like when you buy a new car, it's usually just in the glove box. But what's the one time that you go for the owner's manual? Yeah, when you need to fill up for the first time and you can't figure out how to get the gas tank open. <laughs> Actually, because my, my wife's taking a, a car down here and um, so it's a new, new car that uh, we have a rental uh, because my car had, was involved in a recall. So uh, we set that up just before we came down here and right before I left, she said, wait, wait, don't leave, don't leave. I don't know how to get the, the gas cap thing open, you know, the little door. And I was trying to find it with her. so. We found the owner's manual. That's what you need the owner's manuals for. <laughs> so I want you to imagine for just a moment 
And just, um, if you're willing to play along, just close your eyes for just a moment. And I would like you to think back through your life and just go back in time to the time when you were born. And as you were learning these little life lessons, just take a moment and imagine what your life would have been like if you'd been given an owner's manual from the time that you were born. So just imagine how some of those little life lessons might have gone a little differently. <laughs> Not that we aren't going to learn anymore, but again, the manual really just helps you understand how things work so that you can make choices that are really in alignment with what you want in your life. Now just move back forward to the present and imagine what your life might be like now. Imagine some of the things that you could do now, maybe some of the things that you've been working on, trying to figure out in your life. Imagine how things would be different now. All right. So if you're visualizing along with us, then you can go ahead and take in a deep breath and just open your eyes as you're taking in that deep breath and come back with us. Are we all back? All right. So that just kind of gives you a little bit of context in what we're working with with the mind. Now, when I'm talking about the mind, I'm talking about more than just the brain. And I did want to clear up a common misconception that's out there while we're um, talking about this. Because a lot of times, and many of you have probably heard this, have you heard we only use 10% of our brain? Yeah. That's a common misconception that is out there. And actually, the, um, the whole idea of the untapped potential of the mind kind of gets debunked by a lot of uh, science people because of the misconception. It's really just a slight misunderstanding, and I'm still a firm believer that we only use a fraction of our potential. But one of the things that I clarify in my book is that I'm talking about capacity, the capacity of the mind, and not how much of the brain we're using. So when you look at an MRI, and um, they actually have um, images now that they can actually map in real time so they can see the different parts of the brain as they're being activated. And it's actually true that we use the whole brain because as we grow and develop, different parts of the brain are ma mapped out according to uses. There are some that are more heavily used when we're speaking, some more heavily used when we're doing things like moving our fingers. And actually, did you know that this little movement of your fingers takes huge resources in your brain, just those fine motor skills that we develop, takes huge resources. So we're actually using the whole brain, but when I'm talking about capacity, that you know, it was once believed that we're only using about 10% of the capacity and some of the more recent estimates that I've seen, I've seen some that actually have downgraded that to around two to 3% of the capacity of not just the brain, but the mind, we're talking about the wiring of the brain. So as we're growing and developing, there are just trillions and trillions of connections. And so as we commit ourselves to using our brains in certain ways, then those connections become more hardwired. So we're actually rewiring our brain 
as we're growing and developing. So when we're born, there are just infinite potentials of connections that we can make. So for example, language is something that, that's formed early on. So they've done a lot of studies that demonstrate that kids, when they're younger, are uh, much more adept at taking on new languages, so they could be bilingual, trilingual, very easily. Has anybody tried to pick up a new language in adulthood? I'm still working on Spanish. <laughs> my, my wife is fluent in two other languages because she went to Spain and France when she was in college. Uh, but yeah, I've, I haven't had one of those immersion experiences yet. I'm still working with Spanish. It takes a while, and it really takes an immersion experience to really get it down. But it takes longer to reform those connections in our brain when we're older. And it's not that it can't be done, it's just that there's a lot of patterns that we've already established, a lot of decisions that we've already made in our lives. So we can change the wiring, but it takes a little longer. Now, it was really interesting, there's um, a disease called hydrocephalus, which sometimes people call it water on the brain, it's actually cere cerebral spinal fluid that um, forms on the brain because it doesn't drain properly. And there was actually a case study that I looked at that was really interesting because this child had probably 95% of his brain was destroyed by this and was left with a part of the brain about the size of a walnut. And yet, it happened at an early enough stage that all of the functions of the brain were able to reroute within that tiny little <laughs> section. And the boy actually became a genius. Because when they did an MRI, there was so much capacity that was opened up just in that little tiny section. Now this, unfortunately, is not typical. It's often fatal and can be very damaging. But that case study, though, was a really good example that the potential is there. If from the beginning we are using more of the capacity of the mind, then there's incredible potential that's there. And so when I'm talking about capacity, the brain is really more like the hardware, kind of like our computer, and our mind is the user. So the brain is going to form according to what we are using, and so it will adjust to our capacity. So there's infinite potential there. We just need to tap into that, and part of that is realizing who we are. So I would like to take a moment here to um, introduce the makers, okay? So some of the context of the book um, is that the makers of all that is, who are those uh, beings in the universe who are our creative counterparts, um, sent a notice. And uh, so here's the, the preamble to the notice, just we apologize for any inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> So I know that part of this is probably a little tongue-in-cheek because uh, I really like Douglas Adams. Has anybody read Douglas Adams before? So yeah, if you haven't, it's a really good read, really fun read. And so that's a little uh, flashback to Douglas Adams, I'm sure. Um, and then sincerely, the makers of all that is. Okay, so I'd like to read you that notice to all humanity um, at this time. And um, then we'll talk a little bit more about the makers. So, we apologize for any inconvenience. We, the makers of all that is, have received feedback from some on Earth that you've been sent there with no guidance to help you. 
Many of you are not sure where you have come from, why you are there, or what you should be doing. We would like to assure you that all of the guidance that you need has been provided internally so that it is always available to you. However, it has come to our attention that many of you have lost your ability to access this inner guidance. Do not fear. We are providing a manual to assist you in reconnecting with your inner guidance and to help you regain full access to the functionality of your mind. We would like to remind you that you agree to the challenges and complications that are inherent in Earth experience. Many of these eventualities may interfere with access to your inner guidance from time to time. Our guidelines prevent us from interfering with your ability to choose for yourself. So we will not tell you what to do. However, it is within our, guidance, our guidelines to reacquaint you with the full functionality of your mind and help you reconnect with your own inner guidance. Sincerely, the makers of all that is. So who are the makers? Well, the makers could uh, be beings on this planet. They could be beings from other planets. Um, essentially, it's any intelligent being who has reached the point in their existence, in their development, where they know that they are a creator, and not only do they know they are a creator, but they have been able to tap into their creative resources to be able to um, create their lives with intention and also help to shape their environment, their world, and even help others in their growth. So a lot of times we refer to these individuals as the enlightened masters, the teachers, you know, um, our spirit guides can be included in that, although a lot of times our spirit guides are at a similar level to where we are, but it's, we can actually become one of the makers too. When we reach that point where uh, we are confident and proficient in our creative abilities. So learning how to use our mind is just like anything else. It's like learning how to play the piano, learning how to play basketball. But we all can tell, it's obvious, when somebody's really proficient at something and someone else is just kind of like going along. You know? So we have a sense, too, of when we are getting really proficient. And so there isn't any clear-cut guideline of when you, you know, become one of the makers of all that is. But basically, it's just the collective. It's the collaboration that's occurring. And sometimes people refer to that as co-creators is that we are working toward becoming co-creators, so that we are co-creating a productive, happy environment for us here on Earth, as well as um, co-creating with other individuals who may be coming in from outside of Earth to help us. And I think a lot of us are probably familiar with that, um, so I wasn't planning to go in a lot of depth, because we're familiar with spirit guides and teachers who may come to us who are not in physical form as well. So that's where they come from. And now it's time to talk a little bit about who we are, just so that we're clear on what we mean by that. So we are creators. And we are created in the likeness of our creator. And our creator is neither male nor female. Because once you leave this life, you are neither going to be male nor female. Our, our uh, essential energetic nature is, um, I don't want to say gender, gender neutral, because really both qualities are there. But when we look at things beyond just the physical level, I prefer to describe it as the expressive energy of either the aggressive 
energy that's moving out or the receptive energy where you're drawing in. So, for example, in Taoism, they define this philosophy really well, and you're probably familiar with the yin-yang, that there's always this aggressive energy moving out and the receptive energy moving in, and it creates this constant swirl of energy that's always in motion. So energy is dynamic, it's always in motion. We are beings of light and energy. And that's something that sometimes is easy to forget because we get caught up in our physical life experiences. I have this tangible physical body, and if I bang into a door and hit my head, I feel very real pain. So it's easy to forget sometimes who we really are. But this is a, this is a vehicle, just like our car. So when we forget who we really are, that would be just like getting into your car and driving around for a couple of hours and then getting home and just sitting in your driveway. And so somebody comes up finally and says, why have you been sitting in your car for two hours? Oh, I forgot I could get out. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> so that's really the same situation that we're in. And in fact, we have a time every day that's pre-programmed when we go to sleep where we can actually leave the body and remember who we are. Now, for a lot of us, though, when we come back, we don't even remember what happened during that time. And that's one of the reasons why my wife and I uh, wrote the book, Naked in Public, Dream Symbols Revealed, and encouraged people to work with dream interpretation because working with your dreams is like a gateway point where you can start to access that time at night. And then from there, once you get more comfortable with your dreams and more proficient, then you can start working into things like lucid dreaming where you can actually uh, project at night and remain consciously aware at night. And again, further reinforcing who we really are so that we, we don't come back and forget all of our experiences and forget that we're really these beings of energy. And this point right here, since we are beings of energy, that is a crucial point. We are immortal beings. And that one perspective alone, when we remember that we are immortal, all of these dramas in our lives take on a whole new perspective. And it's not that I don't have compassion, because I certainly feel compassion for people when they're in pain and they're suffering. But when you realize that if somebody is sick and they're passing, or if somebody was injured and their life is changing, and you remember that even if you live to be 80 years old, 90, 100, this is just a flash in the pan compared to the experience of an immortal being. So there is no tragedy that can be so bad that it would disturb an immortal being. And that's another reason why interpreting dreams is useful because your dreams come from the perspective of your soul. So when you're interpreting the dreams, you interpret it from the perspective of an immortal being. So for example, when death shows up in a dream, it isn't talking about some tragedy 
looming in your life, it's talking about change. It's talking about a transition from one state to another. And that's the reality for an immortal being, is that there is no end. We existed before this lifetime, we will continue to exist after this lifetime, and we're just changing from one state to another. Just like changing careers, or moving from Kansas City to San Diego. So we are creators, and creating is our birthright. In essence, this is how I would sum up what we are doing here, is that we are creators, and that is the one focus of our mind, and we have all these different experiences that we're interested in, and it's, it's fine to pursue all those personal interests. But when this becomes your underlying foundation in everything that you do, that's the one thing that is consistent in every area of your life, is that you are a creator. So when you can focus your mind on creating the experiences that you want in your life, no matter what your other interests are, that becomes that unifying foundation. When I was about 12 years old, how I got into metaphysics is that I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, and I had observed by that point that when people got really good at something, that they usually had to give up everything else in their lives and just work on that one thing. Think about like an Olympic athlete. They're getting up at four o'clock in the morning and they go and they, they practice and they come home from school and they practice some more. So their whole life is just dedicated to that one thing. And I was a musician in high school and college. I saw the same thing, that musicians, they would just play for hours and hours. And that's one of the reasons I didn't become a professional musician because I was spending four hours a day at one point in the practice room by myself, playing my instrument, perfecting my craft. And I thought, I don't think I want to spend all this time by myself. You know, I mean, it was, it was impressive the things that I could do, but I really started thinking about my life and did I really want to spend all that time just perfecting my craft in the practice room? So I thought, well, what's the one thing I could focus on that could be my central focus in life that would improve every other area of my life? And this is what I came to, that if I worked on developing my mind, I use my mind in everything. So that became my central focus. And that's what really led me to metaphysics. So speaking of co-creating, I just want to make a quick note here uh, regarding the makers of all that is, because as you may have experienced when you do art or if you've done any writing on your own or some other creative endeavors, I believe that frequently we are receiving guidance. And sometimes we don't even know it, we don't acknowledge it. I do want to acknowledge all of the guidance that I received in writing this manual. And in fact, I dedicated the book to all of those entities that have helped advance our learning and our growth and our evolution throughout the millennia. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person who I want to participate, so I'm not exactly a good candidate for just a pure channel where somebody's just going to dictate to me and I'm just going to type it. So I think, uh, you know, that's, that's probably more my personality. I want to get in there and participate. But, you know, these, these uh, enlightened individuals are willing to work with anybody. So, you know, they were willing to listen to my ideas and I was willing to listen to their ideas. So it was very much a collaboration. And there was very obvious times when I was, um, you know, tuning in and sometimes an idea would just be dropped like a seed just to see how it would grow. So there's a lot of different ways that we collaborate. And when we open up to those experiences, 
and you set the terms. So you don't have to do it one way just because one person said, oh yeah, you gotta open up and just go with whatever they say. You know, you go with your personality. Your personality is developed for a reason because each of us have a unique expression. We're each learning something from that expression. So for me, I want to have a part in it. I want to participate. So it was much more of a co-collaboration effort. And so in writing this book, you know, I was able to apply my experiences because I've been doing this for a little over 20 years now. And I was able to receive that guidance, you know, tapping into what people needed and uh, what they were ready for to, you know, do my best to create something that um, people could respond to at different levels. So, so I think that, um, you know, it's a pretty good job of, of addressing all those initial questions that somebody might have if they haven't had any experience. But also there's a lot of meat in there too, so that if you've already been doing this for a while, there are some things that, that might be new to you or maybe a little different way of, of looking at it. So with that, um, since we're talking about who we are and our evolution, I wanted to talk about Atlantis for just a moment. So. You may not have known this, but uh, actually they rebuilt Atlantis. And this is a picture of it right there. They actually put a water slide through the temple now. <laughs> so you can actually go vacation there, which is, is nice. It's nice. So I'm looking forward to visiting there someday. It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> so Atlantis, we have a little different take on Atlantis than you might have um, heard from some other people who have talked about it before. And, you know, I've been to these conferences and I've heard people who had a lot of um, research about where it was located and, and different things like that. But we have a little different take on it. And uh, when I say we, I'm talking about uh, myself and my wife, Catherine, because we do past life readings. And it's a process that we use that is. Uh, what we normally call an Edgar Casey style reading. And we developed this technique because we felt it gave us the best consistency and quality and depth. And it's not that I am knocking you know, people who do uh, conscious readings. This, this method just really worked best for us because we learned a lot of different techniques for doing readings. And um, if you've had readings with people, you know, some people are kind of there talking to you, so they have to kind of come back and listen to you and answer your questions, and then they have to go back in. And so this, this process is, more the way Edgar Casey did it, where she just goes to sleep and then I'm there to facilitate the reading process so she doesn't have to keep going back and forth. And so through the past life readings, a lot of times Atlantis readings would come up. And when we do a past life reading, we always ask for what is the most significant past life for this individual. The reason why we do that is because we want to get the past life that is most relevant to your learning right now. And not just your most recent past lifetime or your most interesting one. And the funny thing about it too is that I've had a couple of readings where the person was actually famous, like somebody that you would know, but it would not give the name because the person would have gotten kind of bugged out <laughs> knowing who they actually were. So they described it in detail and all the learning and everything that was relevant to the learning except for the name. 
So I don't know who is actually making that call, <laughs> if it's my wife on some higher level or if there's actually maybe the person's guide is like, no, 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 they're go crazy. <laughs> you know? So somebody is making that call, and no matter how hard I try, you know, I can't override that. So it's, it's a really interesting process doing these readings. But if you know um, about the past life information, it comes from a place in the mind called the Akashic Records. And so everything that comes into the physical world passes through the Akashic Records on its way into our physical experiences. So before that point in the mind, that's where thoughts can actually dissolve and dissipate like a whiff of smoke just sort of dissipating. And you've probably had those thoughts. And in fact, that's sort of a self-protection mechanism because I'm sure we've all had thoughts where you're like, I'm glad I didn't say that. <laughs> or what was I thinking? So it is kind of a protection mechanism. So there's a little bit of a delay. And in the mind, we call that the inertia of the thought. It takes a little bit of time for that thought to come into the physical. But once it passes that point, there's a certain threshold in the subconscious mind that it passes, and it's almost like a membrane. Once the thought passes through that point, it's impressed there forever. And there's still a little bit of wiggle room in terms of how it will come into our life, but it is there, it's pretty much set, it's going to happen in some form or other. So that's where we go for the past life reading. So we can look back on a past life and relate that to the, to the present lifetime in terms of why that is significant, what the learning is. A lot of times it's, it's karmic. You know, a lot of times for people it's things that are repeated patterns that have been happening from one life to another. And so these Atlantis readings would come up periodically. And some of the things that we've learned from these readings as they come up is that Atlantis is a time period, a location, and for all intents and purposes, you could describe it as a nation, even though it's not really a nation, it's more like a city-state, kind of like if you think back to Greece, you know, like where they had city-states. Um, but there were also more than one cycle of Atlantis, and so there's four cycles uh, from what we have seen, and it's very, very difficult to get a time period. So in most of our past life readings, especially anything in the modern time from, say, 10,000 BC to the present, we can get a, a time period. But in Atlantis, the perspective of our experience was so different that you can't really relate it to physical time. Time was measured differently back then, and it was measured more through our experiences. So when we were learning and growing, time would pass. And if we were stagnating, then it's almost like we were just kind of like stuck in time. And so you may have experienced that now, if you can think back to days that, you know, go like this, and sometimes when you're learning a lot, it seems like you packed a lot into the day, so there's a lot of internal growth happening, so a lot of internal time is passing. But sometimes the whole day goes by and you're like, where did that go? And you think back and you can't even remember anything you did. You're like, well, I'm standing here. I know I got up this morning, <laughs> but you can't think of anything you did. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So maybe that wasn't the most fulfilling day. So not very much internal time is passing. So with Atlantis, um, this is really one of the key times when we were coming into the physical experience as souls. And so for all intents and purposes, I'm going to refer to the soul as the energetic part of our being. So we are energy beings. And so during this period, it is very relevant to us today because a lot of us, as we're moving more into this intuitive development, so we are becoming these conscious creators and conscious co-creators. A lot of the experiences that we had in Atlantis are becoming relevant to us again. So um, with that, you know, there were these four different cycles because each cycle there was a point where we had gone as far as we could collectively. And just like some of the dichotomies that we're seeing today, and that's another reason why Atlantis is very relevant, we reached these critical points and we couldn't go any further and it would lead to a collapse of the civilization and usually there was some kind of a physical collapse of, on the planet in terms of the environment that we were living in. And so that's where a lot of these images that we get of like Atlantis sinking into the ocean and things like that. Um, so there were some violent movements in the uh, surface of the earth. Um, you know, there could have been a lot of volcanic activity, things like that. Uh, I personally believe too that it was perhaps the final fall of Atlantis where the story of Noah comes from with the flood, which I don't think it was really a lot of rain. It was probably, um, you know, some sudden movements. And actually in science now, in geology, it's interesting because they're um, seeing evidence where the earth can actually have very sudden violent shifts in a very short period of time that could change you know, huge areas of the planet. So a lot of these things that um, scientists said, oh yeah, and, you know, there's no way that could happen. Well, if you go back about 50 years, they would have laughed in your face if you told them that the continents floated around the, the, the uh, surface of the earth. <laughs> and yet now plate tectonics is common knowledge among scientists. And um, I'm trying to remember it in the name because I wasn't planning on mentioning his name. Uh, and so I apologize to you wherever you are, but it was interesting because the gentleman who proposed plate tectonics, he was laughed out of every science um, convention at the time. And now we've seen so much evidence that, that they take it as, as a fact. So that shows how much things can change. And science actually is converging in a lot of ways and catching up to a lot of things I've learned metaphysically which is very interesting, very interesting. So um, now we're, we're in a very similar thing. You can see the polarity on our planet. There's those of us who are really wanting to move the energy forward and become more connected and use our intuitive abilities more. But then there's also those who are really afraid of that. And so they are dragging their feet, kicking and screaming and that's where we're getting a lot of these violent outbursts, you know? So if you observe people when change is happening around them and 
They don't like it because they don't know what's going on. A lot of times they start acting out. So that's what's happening all over the planet is people are acting out because they know things are changing. They're not ready for it. They're looking for a way out. But I always reassure people that as long as you stay connected, there will always be safe places on the planet. You just need to know where to be at the right place at the right time. There will always be safe places. So it's just like during Atlantis, you know, humanity continued after the last fall of Atlantis. Um, there were people who were not part of the Atlantean culture at that time. And uh, so I believe too, like the pharaohs in Egypt um, are said to be gods. You know, they were worshiped as gods. I think that probably some of the Atlanteans, um, they had some communication like with the Egyptians and maybe some of the people who weren't as connected and advanced at the time. Um, and uh, that's why they regarded them as gods, because they probably had healing abilities and different things they couldn't explain. You know, you look at a lot of the great masters throughout history, and they're highly regarded because of their healing abilities and different things they can do. But, for example, you look at the teachings of Jesus, and there's this little thing that he said in there that really caught my attention out of all the things he said that everybody goes on and on about. The thing that caught my attention the most is when he told his disciples, these things and more you can do. So he wasn't here saying, look, I'm it. I'm the only one who can do this. Don't even try. When you read about, um, like, after he left, he sent his disciples out, and there's all kinds of stories about them doing healings and all these great things because they were the ones he was teaching all the, the higher-level abilities to. And so... You know, the, the idea, again, it's trying to, to, to get that idea that we are all these creators. And as more and more people wake up to that and accept that fact, then things will definitely keep changing for the better. And I think we've probably passed a couple of critical points, too, where things could have gone either way. Because intuitively, I felt a couple of critical points, even just within my lifetime, where things could have gone a different way. But we're still here, and things are going along better than I thought they would be at this point in my life when I was younger. So I think that, you know, we're staying ahead of that curve just enough. And so we need to, to um, apply these kinds of things in our lives. And I know, you know, the group I'm speaking to here, I have every confidence that everybody in this room is doing just that. Uh, before I leave the, the readings, I did want to mention that um, because of the group of people I know that you are and who were working with this uh, during this conference, um, just for this conference, um, if you book a past life reading with me and Catherine before we leave, so we have a set on Thursday evening, and then also there's some sessions on Friday. But if you book a reading with us, then I will ask for the most significant Atlantean lifetime. And I don't do that very often. It has to be the right group of people. Um, and actually, I wasn't even planning that when I came here. But I think it was just something about the energy of the group. Um, I kept getting that again and again so that, you know, when something comes to me three times, I usually take that as a sign <laughs> that I need to listen. So I did want to make that available. I already talked to Catherine. She'll be here this afternoon. And she said it was fine with her, too. So um, just for this conference, um, you know, if you want to book a reading with us. And if you're not able to, to be here with us, like if you can't stay till Friday or something, as long as you get it set up with us during this conference, we'll take it home and and do it because you don't have to be physically present but it's kind of nice when you it's nice when you can be physically present and just see the whole process and 
and uh, listen to the reading as it's being done, but we can also record it, so it isn't necessarily to be physically present uh, during the readings. And normally, um, for the conference, we give a, a $20 discount also during the conference. All right, so now I'd like to talk just a little bit about vibrational energy. So I mentioned we are beings of energy and light. Quantum physics is a passion of mine, and that's one reason you know, I, I pursued my degree in physics, but also the biology ended up becoming a very important part of that because biology is really the science of life and how everything comes together to create life. And I also have a teaching certificate in metaphysics to go along with that. So if you don't know how to make a proton, I just thought that I put this up here so you know the recipe to make a proton. Um, <laughs> so all you need is you need two up quarks and one down quark, and then you need lots of glue on in between to keep them all together. <laughs> so now you know. <laughs> So the reason why I brought this up here is because the proton is really the building block. It's the Lego of the universe. Because once these quarks come together to form a proton, then we have the first element. So you start a little electron spinning around that to balance things out. So electron has a negative charge, proton has a positive charge, and you have hydrogen. Hydrogen is the first element that started everything. And then from there, hydrogen, as you probably know, is flammable. And so as enough hydrogen came together and it started to ignite, the first stars were born. And then once fusion started, we got helium and worked our way up to iron. And then as the first stars uh, that went supernova, then we got the heavier elements uh, that we see in our planets, like the Earth, for example, heavier than iron. But it all begins here, with these quarks. And we're still working on where it goes even beyond that. Because, you know, some people are kind of at the point where they're thinking, well, maybe this just keeps going on and on and just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And we don't know exactly how much further it goes, but the one thing we do know is that everything at that level is vibrating. That's the essence of quantum mechanics. Everything is spinning and vibrating and in motion. That's the essence of life, and that's the essence of who we are. So when we look at our physical senses, I actually came to, to think of the physical senses more as gateway points. They're access points to the physical world, because there are so many experiences out there beyond what our physical senses are taking in. I mean, just take light, for example. You know, the light that is shining down on me right now, these are photons that are just streaming out of these lights, reflecting off the walls and bouncing back to us, and it's all coming into our eyes. And our retinas are absorbing that energy and interpreting it and translating it for us in our brain to create the experience that we see. But we also know when we look at things at this level, there's a tremendous amount of space between everything. In fact, if you took this proton, and you blew it up to about the size of a golf ball, then the electron would be orbiting about a two-mile radius around that golf ball. That's how much space is between the proton and the electron. And the electron 
creates a field, we actually call it a shell, because we know that mathematically it's impossible to predict exactly where that electron is going to be. It could be anywhere in that, that shell. And so that creates just sort of like a, a barrier or a, a boundary for that atom. But then the atoms, as we know, come together to form molecules, right? So there's a certain amount of space that's really quite vast between each atom. Even though they are bonding together, there's this tremendous amount of space. So everything in this room, I mean, it's a little scary to think about it, but even the stage that I'm standing on is really just a lot of nothing. <laughs> we would describe it physically as empty space, but we know there's more than that because it's a field of energy. So it's really the field of energy of all those particles that are holding me up and holding me in place, holding your body together so that we don't just fly apart into trillions of molecules and atoms. So all this stuff is, is held together and our physical senses tap into that in different frequencies. So the light is interpreted by our eyes, our ears interpret the vibration of the air molecules. So I don't know if you've thought about this, but without air, there's no sound. So don't try screaming in space. <laughs> yeah, if there's, if there's no air, you can't say a word. And all of, the, all of the senses tap into a different frequency on the planet. But if you just look at light, visible light is just this tiny little spectrum of the electromagnetic spectrum that includes radio waves and ultraviolet waves and, and gamma radiation. All of that is part of the same spectrum that we see with our eyes. So could you imagine, I mean, kids dream about x-ray vision. <laughs> could you imagine adjusting your eyes just a little bit and then you'd actually have x-ray vision? <laughs> So Superman seems a little bit more plausible now. <laughs> so the reason why I bring this up, though, is just to be aware of how limited our physical experience is. And as we tap into our intuitive mind, we're tapping into more of our abilities. There is so much more out there that we can tap into. Now, since everything is vibrating, uh, there's a concept called entrainment, so that if you set a certain vibration in motion, then everything else around it tends toward that vibration. It's called entrainment. It's the same principle that will align the pendulums in all of the clocks in a clock shop. So there aren't that many clock shops with grandfather clocks with pendulums around anymore. <laughs> But um, there probably are still some if you go to like a vintage shop or something like that. But it used to be commonplace that you could walk in and all the clocks, the pendulums would be moving in unison. It's called entrainment. So the same principle applies even with our vibrational energy. It's why you feel better after spending time with somebody that's in an elevated state of energy. So if you're a little down, you know, we talk about how important it is, the people we choose to be around. And uh, there was something I was just hearing recently, I don't recall where it was right off the top of my head here, but it was talking about that um, we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. <laughs> so think about who you're spending your time with, right? And part of that is the entrainment. So if you've ever gone into a place where everybody's in a foul mood, and you can almost feel it sometimes, right? When you walk in, it's almost like walking through molasses. It's like, wow, what happened in here? 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But then you come to a place like this, and it's almost, it's almost like, you know, I got to tether myself so I don't float off, right? So that's entrainment. So think about not only who you're with, but think about the kind of energy that you are putting out there. Because you can be that uplifting energy, too, for people. And so that's where, really, sound vibrational healing comes in. And... I know not everybody is going to be able to probably attend my workshop tonight at 7 uh, because there's multiple workshops going on. And so I did want to give you just a little taste of the sound vibrational experience today uh, before we go. So the sound vibrational healing, the idea is that there are very specific tones in many cases. Uh, some people I know use their voice. There's a lot of different methods. But my preferred method is crystal singing bowls. I've got a set of 12 bowls that I use at the Awaken Whole Life Center, which is at the Unity Village campus in Unity Village, Missouri, outside of Kansas City. And also, since I'm a wind player, I have this particular aff affiliation with the didgeridoo. So um, it's a very primal tone, it can be very grounding, and then the bowls are more of like a celestial tone. So um, the combined experience people often describe as being otherworldly. So before I get into that experience, I'd like to end with that. And so I have enough time for one, maybe two questions, if anybody has any questions. Um, I will be available at the table after um, the presentation, and uh, also you can come drop by too if you have other questions that we didn't get answered. But are there any questions that anybody has before we get started? Yes. I went about the entrainment. <clears throat> um, was that also when you said that if you had a, I don't know if it was a proton or an atom or something, mm -hmm. um, that the other one going around would be more than two miles? Yes, that That's was in relation. Yeah, so that I, was referring to that the proton, if you blew it up to the size of a golf ball, the electron yes. that's orbiting that would be about two miles away at that scale. So I guess my question in, in relation to that and in relation to the good feelings when you enter a room and the pendulums, how far away from the pendulums would that work, I guess? Oh, that's a good question. You know, and the same thing in a, you know, because I, I don't feel it outside the room, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Maybe I do and don't realize it, but. Well, if you look at the room and you imagine these walls as just being masses of vibrating energy, it does create a barrier. And that's what we use walls for, right? We're creating oh, a barrier. And so it does filter it to a degree. Now, the energy can actually extend through there. That's where, if you look at the... Um, energy coming out of your house, for example, you can, uh, if you use infrared photography, you can see where the, the heat is escaping. Heat is actually energy that's moving through your walls and your windows and things like that. So, for example, our energy collectively, because there's so many of us, is extending 
from here throughout the motel, throughout Eureka Springs. Really? Oh, and essentially, we're having an impact on the entire universe. But the further away that you get, the less um, intense the energy is. So it's just like gravity. The further you get away from the sun, the less intense the gravity is. So that's why astronauts, once they reach a certain point away from the Earth, they're weightless because they're so small compared to the Earth, mm -hmm. right? And yet the moon, which is still way out there, is caught in Earth's gravity because it's much bigger. Okay. So again, all of those influences are relative. So we're having the most influence obviously in this room and in the motel, so we're giving a lot of good energy <laughs> to this motel. They'll probably thank us later. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's, it's moving out into Eureka Springs, so that's probably you know, the next strongest impact where you could really see it tangibly. But then as we get further out, we are actually having an influence, but you may not notice as much of a shift when you get home, for example, mm -hmm. except within yourself, because you take this energy because you're becoming entrained with the group, and then you're going to be the focal point of that energy in your community when you get home. Mm -hmm. But all of us right now, while we're here, we are the focal point right here, and then it's expanding out from there. Mm, very interesting, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. All right, and um, maybe one more question. All right, so if there are any more questions, I would like to transition into the sound vibrational experience and leave you with that. So that's why I wanted to kind of reverse things instead of ending with the questions. So if you can take just a moment to become comfortable, you can sit with your feet on the floor. If there's things in your lap, you know, you can take those out of your lap and set them down. Um, if you're wearing glasses, I prefer to take my glasses off. Of course, it's up to you, but Sometimes I find that just the, the, the glasses kind of create contact points like a circuit, so it allows the energy to flow better. But again, that's your choice. And become comfortable. Take in some deep breaths, and then just allow your mind and your body to relax. Just allow yourself to enter the experience, feeling the vibrational energy as it moves in through you and to you.
Now gradually come back, beginning with the soles of your feet, moving your attention up through each part of the body, all the way up through to the crown of your head. And you feel centered within your body once again. Take in a deep breath and open your eyes. <laughs> I honor the greatness within each one of you. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.